Okay, Bible and Daily Lifers, we are going through the New Testament one chapter a day. And we are now in the Gospel of Luke chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 1. There's a lot of topics here. Let's see how far we can get as we go line by line through the Gospel. Luke 12, verse 1. In the meantime, continuing on from the previous chapter, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together, a lot of people following Jesus at this point. So keep in mind what's going on with this gospel. It's gain, it, we're gaining momentum here where there's more and more followers of Jesus, more and more people who are hearing of his fame, hearing who he is, hearing what he's doing, and they're starting to follow him. So as they're starting to follow him, the religious leaders are becoming more and more envious, more and more jealous, and it's making them mad. They want to put a stop to this. So an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled on one another. Well, you've been maybe in those kinds of situations where you're trying to get into a ball game or get into a concert or get into something and, you know, you just feel like people are just pushing you through. Well, that's what's going on. There's a lot of people there. And he began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, Leaven, maybe you don't use leaven, maybe you don't bake bread. Most people buy bread today, they don't bake it. But if you want your, your bread to rise, you put leaven in there, you put yeast in there. And you don't need much yeast, you just need a little bit in order to make the whole loaf rise. So the point here is that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, just a little bit of their poison, just a little bit of their religious poison, their hypocrisy, their envy, their duplicity... Hypocrisy means to act. The word hypocrite means actor. So Jesus tells his disciples, beware of the leaven. It's just little things, but little things will get in there and it will fill the whole loaf, fill the whole lump. He said, there's nothing covered that will not be revealed. Well, the yeast is covered when you put it into the hump of, of uh, flour there, of, of bread, <clears throat> but it eventually will show itself. Nor anything that's hidden, it will not be made known. Because a lot of what they're doing, they're doing secretly, and they're doing uh, backhandedly. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and whatever you have spoken in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Now, this is kind of scary. <laughs> what does this mean? At the final judgment, are there going to be some... Uh, videos of you? Is there a whole collection somewhere in the cloud, in the heavenly cloud of everything we've ever said or done? Well, if there is, I would suggest that you use uh, John, 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 9, where it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So ask him to forgive you for the gossip, for the betrayal, for all of those things that you've done. Let's do it now. So, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for gossip. We ask that you'd forgive us for putting people down. We, we ask that you'd forgive us for our conniving and for uh, <clears throat> our betrayal to people. Uh, forgive us and help us to not do this again. Amen. So, there you go. The religious leaders, uh, it will become known what's going on. And it has become known because we're reading about it right now. It's become known. Verse 4. And I say to you, my friends, I like that, that Jesus calls them friends, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body and afterwards have there's nothing more they can do. So why would he be saying don't be afraid of those who can kill the body? Because 
it's getting to the point where the followers of Jesus are beginning to be hostile towards them, and they're going to start taking legal actions, although they themselves, the religious leaders, can't take legal action, but they can be in cahoots with government, and um, they're uh, going to start putting people to death because they follow Jesus. It still happens around the world today. We call these people martyrs, and in many countries, we call them closed countries, meaning that they're closed to the gospel. Of Some of these are uh, nations that have Islamic governments where it's illegal to convert somebody, and you can actually pay with your life. And even when the government's not taking your life, a lot of times in the neighborhood, if you're converting people, your life might be in danger. So Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body, and afterwards there's nothing more they can do. But I'll show you whom you should fear. Who should we be? Should we be fearing anybody? Yes. Fear him who, after he is, after he is killed, has the power to cast you into hell. I say, yes, fear him. Fear God. Don't be afraid of what people can do. Don't be afraid of what anyone can do for you. But let's just fear God, because God is the one who has the power through Jesus Christ through the cross to give us, in his resurrection, to give us eternal life. And here's a question you're supposed to answer this. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? Well, copper coins, we have copper coins. We call them pennies, so two pennies. And, and not one of them is forgotten before God. But the very hairs on your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So um, God cares about us. God cares an awful lot about us. He knows the numbers of hair on my head. And for some of us, if you're starting to age a little bit, you, you've noticed that you're starting to lose some of your hair. <laughs> well, he notices the hairs that are gone as well. But I love that about me, that God knows everything about me. I love that about him. <clears throat> Here we are in verse um, 8. Luke 12, 8. Also, I say to you, because it's getting hot. You see, the religious leaders are in pursuit of Jesus, and pretty soon they're going to be in pursuit of his disciples. It's getting hot. It's getting difficult. And he said, also, I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels in heaven. So if you make a profession of Jesus, Jesus Christ is Lord, then um, Jesus is professing you before the angels. He's saying, you know, so-and-so, your name belongs to me, Jesus is saying. And to say it before the angels, to say it in heaven. He'll make the profession that you belong to him and he belongs to you. But whoever denies me before men will be denied before the angels in heaven. So if you're saying, well, no, you know, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. And Jesus say, will say, no, no, that person's not a follower of me. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven to him. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Wow. What does that mean? Well, uh, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, it seems that there's only one sin that cannot be forgiven, and that's the continual rejection of Jesus Christ. What Jesus told us is that the Holy Spirit is always in the world drawing people to Jesus, pointing people to Jesus. And if you continually reject the witness of the Holy Spirit who's telling you that you need to turn from your sin and turn to God and turn to the cross and trust Jesus completely to forgive you for your sin— if you do that forever, then there's no, there's no forgiveness for that because there's no salvation outside of Jesus. There's no way to be saved outside of Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So there's no other way except through him. So there you go with the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. What is it? It's the continual rejection of the Holy Spirit who's leading us to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So if that's you, 
I'd suggest that you give in because there's no forgiveness for not doing that. There's no forgiveness outside of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Now, when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, there's three things, synagogues, the religious authorities, the magistrates, uh, those would be the civil authorities, and authorities, I suppose that's probably both religious and civil. Don't worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So when they take you to court, when they're charging you with being a follower of Jesus, you don't have to have some prepared sermon, some prepared Bible study to defend your faith in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will give you things. Um, a lot of people feel like that the Holy Spirit never speaks to them, never does anything in their life. And that's because you don't put yourself in a position where you need the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom. If you put yourself in a position, start telling people about Jesus, they'll come up with some questions and some things that you just don't have the answer to. But the Holy Spirit will give you the answer, and you'll be surprised. You'll learn things yourself while you're talking to them. <laughs> so the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So um, <clears throat> we, we, we sort of looked at um, verses 13 through 21, um, other places um, before, at least the same concepts before. So we're going to jump to verse 22. When Jesus says to his disciples, therefore I say to you, because of all of these things, right, right, because of the leaven, the hypocrisy of the religious leaders starts out small and fills everything, because uh, you don't need to fear man, you need to fear God, uh, because we're supposed to be confessing Jesus before people, all of these things, they're in a worrisome environment because it's starting to get hostile. And Jesus says to his disciples, therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat. Well, a lot of us, particularly in times of inflation or when we don't have a job, we worry about what we're going to eat. Don't worry about your body, what you're going to put on. Well, we spend a lot of time worrying about these things. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. So think about the birds. Look at the birds of the air. A lot of us live in cities. We don't see any birds. We see pigeons. But even the pigeons. Um, consider, consider the ravens. For they neither sow or reap. So, in other words, they're not planting fields. They're not growing corn or wheat. In which neither have storehouses or barns. They don't build barns. They don't have warehouses. And God feeds them. Somehow they're fed. It's amazing to me. I think about this. I live in a snowy environment. So sometimes I wonder, like, what are they doing, you know, when it's, when it's snowing? But yet somehow they seem to be finding the food. How much more value are you than birds? Are you more valuable than a bird? You're more valuable than a bird. And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? A cubit is from your elbow to your finger. And most people's cubits are the same, whether you're a short person or a tall person. Try it with somebody. If you're a tall person, find a sharp person and see if your cubits are, are pretty much the same. It's amazing. It's a, the way they would measure. But, but you can't add any height to yourself by worrying. And if you're not able to do that with the least, why... How you need to, why are you, you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies. Look at, look at the flowers. Look how they grow. They don't toil or spin. They're not all worried. They're not freaking out. And yet I tell you, even Solomon, Solomon is said to be the richest person who has ever lived, had a lot of glory around him. Even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, burned up, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Trust God. God will take care of you. 
You can trust God. God will take care of you. Don't worry. And don't see and, and do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor, nor have an anxious mind. For all of these things, the nations, all the other peoples of the earth, of the world, seek after these things. And your father, because he's a good father, your father knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Let's just read the rest. We're a little over here now. Do not fear, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Wow. And you can go on and it says, sell what you have and give arms. Provide yourselves with money bags that don't grow old. A treasure in heaven that doesn't fail. Where there's no thief or moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Trusting in God. God will take care of you. God will take care of you. And some of us need to hear this lesson that God will take care of us. Because worry is time consuming. It's a waste of time. It's obsessive. It'll get you nowhere. Hey, so bless you guys. Um, love you. Uh, let's continue to go through the New Testament together. Bless you.